welcome to Mommy with Mama Sal's Bad Words. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I, I did it. Good job. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high-rise or low-rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Welcome to season four of Mom Jeans. This season is called the Bite Size Education Series, where we give you quick bits of science and psychoeducation to help you in your journey towards body respect. This season, we will be answering your listener questions and interviewing amazing experts to expand your knowledge. So get ready for easily digestible, pun intended, pieces of education in podcast form. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Mom Jeans in our Bite Size Education series. Today we are going to be talking about what does gut health truly mean? Big question mark. I want to know the answer oh to boy. our own Here we go. <laughs> episode. <laughs> I'm here oh, as well for the answer. Basically, <laughs> well, Rachel... Well, basically, we're going to be talking about poop and diarrhea the whole time. No. (laughs) Uh, No, this is a frequently asked question. Uh, So we definitely are going to touch on it. And then part two, we have an amazing dietitian who we are going to pick her brain about gut health as well. So stay tuned for part two of this episode as well. Yes. All right. Let's dive into the listener question. Dear Mom Jeans, I have a few friends who transition to a gluten-free diet and claim they feel so much better. How do I know if this is actually healthy? I am so confused by the information out there that is telling me gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever free is healthier, and I'm unsure if I should try maybe an elimination diet to see if I would actually feel better with these foods. Should my kids become gluten-free if it's going to help their hyperactivity? Should I cut out dairy if I have breakouts on my face? There are so many questions. Help me love confused gluten mama. Aww. There's so much gluten in there. No. (laughs) I mean, well, there's so much confusion about this area um, because it's once again something that, like, I feel like diet culture hijacked. Damn you, diet culture. Allergies and intolerances and sensitivities are all these big buzzwords that are very, very confusing. And just a cute uh, mama moment, just this morning, my five-year-old just had his first day of kindergarten orientation where they go over all the like dairy allergies and like no peanuts because there's nut allergies and they go through all the things, you know, and I gave him a hug this morning and he got, he was like, I'm itchy, but I'm not allergic to you. Oh. <laughs> That'd be impossible. <laughs> I was like, this poor 
Allergic Kids. I don't think I knew the, what the word allergic was in 1985 no. um, when I was in kindergarten. But, like, today they do because it's something that is really, like, it's just, it's out there. We have so much more information and this, these topics are being discussed. So it's very confusing. It is really confusing. The one thing I want to point out before we even, like, skim the surface to, surface of this is that Rachel and I are not doctors. We are literally going to be hitting some therapeutic angles, some food angles. But really, the gut is so, so complicated, right? And so if there truly is an allergy, we would recommend that you consult a medical professional. If you're truly confused and you're having breakouts and rashes and difficulty breathing, maybe we should skip this episode and quickly call 911 because we don't want you to hurt yourself. So... Yes. But that being said, our gut and brain are connected and they are connected through what is our vagus nerve. And so it is a back and forth uh, communication. It isn't just our brain sending signals to our gut. It's also our gut sending signals, signals to our brain. And so we need to recognize that there's a massive therapeutic component and emotional component connected to our gut health. But also, there is a massive nutritional component connected to our gut health. And I'm not necessarily talking about the what, right? It's like, oh, I don't eat enough fermented foods, and so therefore I have chronic diarrhea. No, it might just be that you don't eat enough food or enough variety, or you've restricted out specific quantities of food, and now your gut is in desperate need of that. And so... Really, I want to encourage y'all if listen to your body's communication, sit down with a professional, really try to map this out from the most non-diet inclusive framework, because once you start down that elimination route, once you start excluding all these foods, it's really challenging and rather gassy and painful as you start incorporating these foods back in, which is ultimately necessary in order to really put this puzzle together. Yeah, I think what you're bringing up is that our culture really encourages food restrictions and normalizes food restriction. So that can be even more confusing because if you feel, if your, your body's not feeling physically well, our culture kind of is like, oh, just start cutting stuff out. That's a very unique component of, I think, our culture and our society's relationship with food. So I think there's a lot of confusion then about like what is an actual allergy, what's an intolerance, and what you should do. So Tina, could you as a dietitian kind of talk about that a little bit? Well, I think there's many different components. And we when we think about our bodies having an allergic reaction to something, our body ultimately produces antibodies or reactors if it's not able to really break down or process a specific food or really it's a protein. And so if we think of celiac disease, let's say, which is an autoimmune disease, your body does not have the proper protein enzyme to break down protein. Um, of gluten. And so you will know uh, these individuals are having chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation. They are having intense stomach pain, rashes. Um, the, the list can go on and the possibilities can go on. And unfortunately, even with modifications and elimination of this specific food, there can still be reactions because people are really unaware of, like let's say at a restaurant, I had a client go out and the server said, yes, there's no gluten in this. And then 
then before you know it, the individual went home and they had an entire chest breakout. And that is going to take weeks now and a couple rounds of steroids for that to go away. So with this individual, it's like, this is pretty obvious, right? Um, It may not be obvious at first, but I feel like once you know, the map can be mapped out, it, 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 there is a sensation of relief. And intolerance can be something that um, can mean a lot of things. Um, maybe it means that you're intolerant to a specific amount of a food. So let's say you've eaten, we'll just use dairy, let's say you've eaten a dairy product for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and all your snacks, and you're noticing bubbly gut by the end of the day. Well, it sounds like your body just may not have enough of that lactase enzyme to break down that protein. And so as a result, your body is communicating and saying, I'm about to give you diarrhea, or you haven't pooped in four days, and maybe we need to add in a little bit more variety of other calcium sources or protein sources or fat sources. And so it doesn't mean, hey, cut out dairy completely. It's just saying, let's have some mindfulness around the variety that you're incorporating this food frequency. Some people have intolerances that are greater than others. Others just have an awareness that, wow, I get a little gassy after I eat beans. Okay, are you willing to eat beans and get gas yeah sure maybe not when i'm going out on a first date or planning an intimate (laughs) evening with my significant other unless i want to be tooting all over them you know i select it's okay and so i think it's just having this very neutral relationship and not so quick to jump on the fact that like i'm going to cut this out because my body is sending some communication one other angle that i want to throw in is the gut brain access and the emotional component that our body responds to in stressful situations, in trauma, in you know high levels of dissociation. And so recognizing that if you're noticing, let's say diarrhea type symptoms or uh, stomach upset or pain, and there's no real pattern to it, it might be worth assessing whether or not there's an emotional component to that. And chances are the answer is going to be yes, right? Like, I don't know anybody that has no emotions, right? So in that, research is actually showing that breath work, meditation, mindfulness has just is just as effective as any sort of uh, therapeutic medication route. And so trying to maybe find a provider or free resource to where you're incorporating in some meditation or uh, breath work around meals and snacks, knowing that maybe if you've had some recent stomach upset, that uh, going into that meal, you might be setting yourself up for higher stress levels and uh, a lot more diarrhea. Yeah, they're doing some amazing research on the varying trauma responses of fight, flight, or freeze and the impact on the digestion. So sometimes it can have an impact on metabolism, gut health, digestion, and heart rate, things like that. So to Tina's point, making sure that like psychologically, emotionally, mentally, you are in a calm space will actually help your gut health. Right. 
One thing that we're going to touch on in the second episode is really what a malnourished gut does and the difficulties that that presents. But the one thing I want to touch on is that if you are under eating and you're really trying to do this exploratory work or this therapeutic work, a malnourished gut is a malnourished gut. And so you could be doing all the deep breaths and all the therapy and all the elimination diets that you want, and there's going to be no real relief in symptoms because your body is going to adapt and then send the signals again anyways. And the truth behind all of that is step one in all of this is nourish your gut. And that could be nourishing your gut through safer foods, through foods that are less irritating, through foods that mentally are less challenging. And then from there, it may be worth that exploration work um, to really see, is this an allergy? Is this an intolerance? Is this my emotional state? How can I really assist myself in moving forward? All right, let's switch gears to the psychological piece. Um, We talk a lot about intuitive eating. And intuitive eating, one of the hallmarks is that it's a peaceful relationship with food. So you can be an intuitive eater with an intolerance or with an allergy and still feel peace and freedom about your relationship with food. But the kicker is you also need to make sure you're well-nourished. You're flexible in your eating, you have variety, you're not dieting, you have a nourished mind to get to the space where you can clearly determine what works for your body and what doesn't. So sure, gentle nutrition and keeping your body's unique needs in mind is a piece of that, but you really have to make sure you've let go of a food policing voice or a fear-based nutrition voice. I think it's our culture so easily says, like, if you feel upset, if you feel like things are out of balance in your life, like, change your diet, change your lifestyle. So rarely does our culture kind of discuss that there's these emotional and psychological components of health and the impact of stress and just how it affects our body. So very rarely is there, again, that billboard, I think we've talked about this analogy in that path, in the past, there's that billboard on the side of the road, you're driving down the highway and you're thinking, I've just had such a hard day, and my boss is really hard, and my kids, and my marriage, and all this stuff. There's no billboard that's like, feeling stressed, call a therapist. It's like, try this diet, try, join this gym. And so we are always getting bombarded with the messaging to change our bodies or to, to fix the external. Rarely are we encouraged to change the internal and to do the deeper work. What would be some simple steps that you would recommend individuals take if they're recognizing, oh, hey, that's the route I would want to go? Or I feel like that route is best for me. I think it's broadening our definition of health and the, and really acknowledging the impact of our stressors on us. So we have an entire life full of stress. That's just sadly kind of life. There's pressures, there's expectations, there's financial stressors, and that can really impact a lot of different things. It can impact how we eat, sure. It can impact our gut health and how we digest food, but it also can impact drugs or alcohol that we consume, the lack of sleep we get, the medications and the vitamins we do or do not take. There's so many pieces of the puzzle. So I think if someone can kind of sit down and look at the full picture, instead of just jumping to some sort of fad diet or elimination diet, you know, you can, you might be able to cut out sugar, but if the issue is about an unstable income or an unhealthy relationship or stressful home environment, no cutting out sugar is going to really solve the impact of that stress on your digestive system or on maybe your gut health. 
So people are quick to cut out gluten but not give time to therapy to process the childhood trauma they experienced or a sexual assault from college or a divorce they went through. And all of that has a very strong impact on what's going on in our internal organs and in our physical health. I think the uphill battle that I'm constantly facing is with health professionals, to be perfectly honest, to where, you know, a client will go to a GI doc or their PCP and say that they're experiencing these symptoms. And, you know, the doctor is quick to recommend a diet or an elimination of a specific food. And so my recommendation to that, after hearing like everything that we've talked about, is just coming from a lens of curiosity. Like, am I really willing to immediately eliminate this food? How is this going to affect my life? And am I willing to make those adjustments? From there, I think really being your own self-advocate for your treatment. If you feel that cutting out that food, which hopefully you do, that it would impact your life, then maybe get a second opinion, maybe do a little bit more research, maybe sitting down with an inclusive dietitian or a non-dietitian or a therapist to really explore if anything else is um, affecting these symptoms or could be contributing to these symptoms. I really view it as our body has one language to communicate to us. And if we're thinking about our gut system, it's going to communicate through gas, through bloating, through bowel upset, uh, through stomach pain. And those that means that those symptoms are symptoms of something greater. And most likely, it is not about the food specifics. It is something greater. So do yourself a favor. Do a little bit more exploration. Come in with curiosity. Just because these people are doctors doesn't mean they're actually higher on hierarchy in our uh, health. I want to circle back to the listener question about kids before we wrap up. I think sometimes we are told, you know, cut out gluten for your child who has ADHD or, you know, will will an elimination diet will an elimination diet fix a behavioral issue? So I think that um I'll briefly touch on the psychological piece there, then Tina can give some nutrition advice. But my thought is also look at all the expectations that are on children to sit in class all day, the amount of screen time children are having that are impacting their attention issues. And also if we are kind of changing their diets or or eliminating foods, how that will impact their relationship with food long term how that will impact how they feel in social outings or birthday parties. You know, what is more distressing? The the hyperactivity post-seeding the sugar? Like, or can mom, can you handle that? And because it's more distressing to to the child if there is, um, if it's impacted the relationship with food. Now, of course, there are absolutely medical issues at times where that needs to occur. But if it's something that you're, you're kind of dabbling with or you're feeling confused by the information out there, I think once again, kind of pulling back and looking at the bigger picture, could be a little bit helpful. Right. And coming from that nutrition piece, it's like, again, we need to be deciding the what. We as parents need to be able to provide our children with nutrition that has balance and um, our kids aren't able to really discern what they should be eating as far as the what. And so with that, it's like, yeah, if I'm going to give Henry Oreos right before I'm expecting him to quiet down and read a book um, or like an entire chocolate bar and then let him decide how much he's going to eat right before I need him to go to bed or take a nap, 
I have another thing coming. And it has nothing to do with him being hyperactive. I'm asking him to calm his body and I'm literally giving him a boost of energy through quick, quick glucose. So with that, it's like I need to be the responsible parent and go, well, is this uh, an appropriate choice in this moment? Or am I ready to deal with the consequences of giving him quick energy when I'm actually expecting him to quiet down? So I think it's really just coming from, again, that neutral angle and being like, yeah, cool. I'm like giving my kid access to be able to run around and distract themselves. And maybe they have difficulty concentrating in class. But like I'm 36 years old and so do I. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not willing to cut out cookies. Um, So, yeah, if you're really unsure, again, we recommend getting medical attention and talking to someone else so that you can get the individualized care for your child or yourself. But uh, we hope that this broad spectrum of information and uh, this week's later episode is going to really just skim the surface and provide you with, uh, again, that bite-sized information. So thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you later in the week. That's a wrap on this episode of the Bite Size Education Series, and we hope this new information provides you with a more critical lens when you hear mainstream diet culture messaging. You can connect with us on social media, on Instagram, at MomJeansThePodcast, and feel free to email your own listener questions to MomJeansThePodcast at gmail.com. If you loved the episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and recommend the episode to a friend. Sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.